The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Yes, indeed, right here on 830 WCCO uh, on this Saturday morning. And uh, Chris and Andy, like I always do, and I think I've been asking this for a few years now, how was your, uh, this past week in real estate for both of you guys? Well, I don't know. Andy, what do you think? I mean, this week was uh, busy. I mean, typically towards the end of the month, you have a lot of closings. And, closings, yeah. And that, and that worked out, and they got through it. But, gosh, they're never as smooth as they they're supposed to be. And I don't no. know why that's happening that way. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure that, you know, um, I always use the example of, of poking the bear, right? And and the bear sleeping in hibernation and relax. And if you keep poking at it, eventually it's going to wake up. And when they usually wake up, they're not very excited to wait. So customers and, you know, buyers and sellers, it's when you're negotiating with people, here's what I'd say. When you're going back and forth and you're poking at each other intentionally, like, well, they wronged me. I'm going to poke them back. Get to the point where you almost have a hostile closing. And then, you know, you get mad because then the lender right. will call you and ask for one more document, and then you freak out on the lender, and you really shouldn't be doing that stuff. And so what happens is I think there's a little more tension sometimes in the marketplace when, you know, the the, the financing is a little tighter or the, you know, the negotiations have been a little more um, heated, and it just adds a little bit to it. But, I mean, overall, I've actually, um, this last week here now, um, we're, we're um, closings are happening, yes, um, I'm seeing – the wrap-up of the Parade of Homes, this is the last weekend of the Parade of Homes. Right. And uh, we're hoping for big things. Usually the fall is always traditionally slower. The first couple of weeks of the parade, you see people coming in, but they're not placing the orders. Now it's this week and over the next three to four weeks is where all the orders will start coming in. So within a month, I'll be able to tell you how new construction is looking for the spring. Um, but right now it's actually looking very good if the traffic is reflective of anything that we're going to see for orders. So yeah, and I think, you I'm know, optimistic. Er, yeah, and I think, you know, people see, you know, they – they see what they read in the paper a month later after the things happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they're going to see that we had a real big slowdown in September. Big time. Well, yeah, new construction was, was slow too. I mean, yeah. existing houses, new construction, everybody was a little slower here, you know, through the end of July into August. And and uh, that, you know, hung over a little bit into September. And now we're starting to see things kind of pick up again. But it was, you know, I, Chris, what's your thought on this? I mean, I was looking at it too. Like just there's people that want to do something, but there's not enough inventory hitting the market. So, or, you know, naturally the market's slower just because there's not enough stuff to buy. The I, sales are down because the sales aren't available. But I think here's what I, what I experience in the fall a lot mm-hmm. is that uh, people do look and they are waiting for something to come on and come on and it doesn't come on. Right. And so then at that point, they're kind of like, oh gosh, let's grab this one. And I mm-hmm. think there is stuff out there that people can grab. I'll tell you in the upper over 700,000 mm-hmm. range right now. Steals. I mean, literally yeah. unbelievable deals that are doing that. Someone wants to get out of their, you know, under $400,000 house, they'll get top dollar for that right. and get a steal, uh, well, you know, it, over 700. It's a great time to upgrade. You know, I mean, it's, totally. it really is. And there's, 
that that is an interesting you know argument to be had because I I see that example of what you're talking about there where we say okay that customers are sitting on the sidelines but what are they waiting for they're waiting for a deal and the deals just aren't necessarily there right now and then the the sellers are like well hey if I'm the only guy within a mile for sale I'm gonna put it five or ten thousand over. And it fails. And then you're like, well, why is that house sitting on the market for 30 or 60 days when it should have been sold within minutes of listing? It's because the market is leveling off. And when you're going above the market, I hate to say it, but you're kind of embarrassing yourself a little bit. And what you're doing is you're helping to sell other properties. When you overprice, the agent will walk through and say, see this, guys? Remember the last one we went through? It was a way better deal. These guys are way overpriced. And let's just go after that other one and get that deal. They'll use you as leverage to get the offer written on the other properties. And so, I, I don't know. I mean, this is normal for us in the fall to see this kind of a plateau a little bit. Um, just, I, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah it, it is. But I, I, I usually, I mean, it usually starts a little sooner than it has this year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping October is going to um, kind of, you know, get that parade over with and then everyone. And I think sometimes when it's super nice, too, mm-hmm. they're still trying to kind of hang out. So yep. hopefully that's it's going to change. But, you know, you talked about pricing a home and, right. and going high, and we see that uh, quite a bit now. Um, and then it sits for a while. But I think that kind of prompted what we were going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And that's different myths. I mean, from the from the mortgage standpoint, Travis Whitford with Bay Equity Home Loans uh, is here today. He's going to talk about some of those myths. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of the myths start with pricing, pricing the home and how to price the home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always call it, you know, I call it at the beginning that we're positioning the home. We have to position it right from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes, you know, like one of them, it's it's better to start high because we can always come down. Mav, how, how many times have you heard that's that when you go to a myth listing? I've heard, and that's that's the one that, or the other one, I don't I don't have to sell. I want to sell, and and you know it doesn't matter to me. And it's like if you're not motivated to sell your house, wh- what are you doing? Get off the market then. I mean, when you're ready to sell, then sell. I mean, don't stand on the road if you're not going to use it. You know what I mean? It's like you're just causing problems. So you know what happens is when a marketplace gets cluttered with houses that are not motivated sellers, you get that stagnant and that slower. And then somebody will come along and sell fast because they have a prettier house at a better price. And I think that, you know, the the um, the buyers coming into this is something that pertaining back to that, putting your house on the high side. A lot of buyers are coming in and stretching their budgets anyway, just to see what that house looks like in that price range. And so when you're overpricing it, I think you're missing some of those buyers. I think you're also, you know, uh, when you get under the the three fifty, people start shopping in twenty five thousand dollar buckets where it's you know three twenty five to three fifty, three fifty to three seventy five. So when you're at three fifty nine nine, you miss that buyer that's under three fifty because they just they won't go up that high. And and I even see it where sometimes they're shopping twenty five thousand dollars over their budget, just dreaming of hey, we're not finding what we like in our price bucket. What's the next one up look like? And then and then of course and they they're anticipating coming way down. So it's. I don't know, man. I tell you, it, it's one of those things where just price it what it's worth, get what it's worth. I mean, it's just like trying to sell a stock from what it's worth. You're not going to get it. You might yeah. as well just sell it for what it's worth yeah. and liquidate. And, and there's on. sometimes there's opportunities. And I, like what I tell people is that, you know what, obviously what's sold is what's proven. We know that's what it is. And if there's less inventory on, maybe we can push that a little. You know, if there's more inventory on, gosh, we have to kind of go a little lower mm-hmm. because here's what happens. I mean, and I always say you got to look at the psychology of the buyer and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So if they're coming out and all of a sudden you put your house on the market and it's brand new and you've done everything right, mm-hmm. but it's twenty five in your case, $25,000 overpriced, mm-hmm. they all come swarming at the beginning because they've been sitting out there for a while. Yep. And so they've kind of gathered up. And then all of a sudden they come swarming in and then they look at it and say, oh, God, it's really nice, but gosh, maybe it's just a little too high. Let's wait, and then we'll go see another one, and we'll see another one. And then all of a sudden, 
four months later, when you get it down to that $25,000 that it was supposed to get down to, mm-hmm. you know, you've missed that person that you probably would have got at well, the beginning. Let me ask the listeners, everybody listening right now, who wants to overpay for anything? Nobody. No one's answering. <laughs> I'm hearing <laughs> people weird. raise their hands. Oh, I can okay. actually see okay. out the window here at the studio. They're raising their hand downtown. Okay. okay. Uh, a lot of downtown listeners. Um, the So the idea there is, is that, you know, that nobody wants to overpay. You'll generate twice the interest if you price your house aggressively, and more people will come. And usually activity breeds activity. So people see other people at the same showing at the same time. It creates a competitiveness, and they might bid over asking price. That's what's happening when you price your house right. When you overprice your house, you don't have that experience. You're the one that sits at work and has to say, oh, I've been on the market right. for 60 days, and there's no offers. Right. You know, versus that's the frustrating. Guy. Yeah. yeah, that's very frustrating. And you got to remember, too. A lot of things happen in those 60 days, and, and the big things are is that you have to be ready every single day for that next person to come in. Mm-hmm. And so all the beds have to be made, and all the other stuff has to be made. But, Travis, there's another part um, on that in paying more than it's worth. We have, sometimes have a little problem with that in financing homes. Yeah, appraisal, appraisal. yeah. Um, if you over, you know drastically overpay from a list price, um, you know there's always going to be appraisal that's going to be done if you're, if you're obtaining financing. And uh, lenders are going to lend off the uh, praise value or purchase price, whichever is less. And, you know, this spring I was, I saw a lot of over, you know, going 20 grand over list price or something like that. And believe it or not, we got, we got, we got lucky and I only had maybe one or two and it was close. So. All right. Well, let's let's stick on this pricing miss because I think that's a big topic and we'll eventually get to a bunch of mortgage miss as well in the next segments. Sounds mighty good. 57 fair skies in the Twin Cities. Expect some showers overnight tonight and probably tomorrow too and maybe on again, off again on Monday. High today about 67. Right now here on CCO, 57. We'll be back with more of the Real Estate Show. On 830 WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 57 degrees in the Twin Cities. It's the middle of the real estate show on 830 WCCO. Now back to uh, Chris and Andy. All right, back to pricing uh, homes and stuff. Andy, what do you think about um, sellers that said they're going to leave dollars on the table if you price it where you think the sale price is? Meaning that, hey, I think it's worth. I think it's worth six fifty. Let's go at six forty nine nine. Yeah, are you and, leaving money on the table? Right, right. And it, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I understand why we're trying to ask for more. The thing that I always say is this: when you're positioning yourself in the market too, when you're getting your house for sale, you have to look at it. It's like getting a deal, right? When you when you go out there, and let's say all houses are the same in your neighborhood, and what is what items does your house have that the other ones don't? Maybe you have the upgraded bathroom or the upgraded kitchen or the upgraded yard, or something that makes you a little bit different, the standout, and that'll make you sell faster. Not necessarily for more money, but you may sell faster. You know, and the other thing that I, I we've been talking about before, too, is like when people want to relist their house, they say, well, let's list it now, let's see what happens, and then let's relist again in the spring, we'll try again. And they think that in the spring it's going to be worth more money. And and this isn't wine, guys. It doesn't get better with time. This is this is where, you know, listings actually, as they age, they turn into vinegar. I mean, it's it's one of those things where people... And they get a reputation. They do. And when they relist, they expect you to relist for less. They don't expect you to relist for more. I mean, so you either better change the condition. Unless you've done something, yeah. 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 Well, here's the other thing, Andy, and I think this is what's really changed in the real estate market, Mm -hmm. is a thing called Zillow.com because it basically airs your dirty laundry forever. You know, that it was on the market this long. And, I mean, everyone can find out what that Mm -hmm. is. That's why I go back to that whole psychology of a buyer. You know, you got to think how they're thinking and what they're looking at. You know, because you got to make it make sense to them. And if it can make sense to them, 
you know, uh, then then they they buy into it rather than thinking because what's what's natural? What's natural that a buyer is going to do mm-hmm. is try to figure out the devious part of it and figure out, oh, my gosh. OK, so it's been listed, you know, three times in the last four years, you know, and they went up. But now they went down. They should have never done that. And then they compare pictures from the old time if they can find them. And then, you know, and then they use that against you. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they make up stuff that, you know what? Oh, it's obviously it's on a it's on a pond. Right. And they have hurricanes on there. And, right. it, and it sometimes blows the house. Well, over. The, I mean, one crazy. of the hottest articles, trends and articles for real estate agents right now is do we not list our house? Does the MLS hurt our listing? Luxury homes, especially Lu- luxury homes are the ones that are now saying, hey, for privacy reasons, for, you know, whatever, they're they're actually avoiding the MLS. And the reason why and I'm not. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a beautiful service. It's worked for many, many years. But what it's stopped doing is it stopped protecting the sellers. And as soon as it stops not protecting my client in the sense that it's providing that public information, which is used against them, like days on market, and, you know, here's the old listing photos, here's the current listing photos, there's no more marketing. Um, I can't put shine on an old listing, for an example. Then then there's a loss of benefit for the seller to cooperate with that. So what will happen is you're going to see – like a lot of the real estate agents I know that will actually go around the MLS because they'll test the market. They'll actually get out there and throw the mar- throw it out there and say, okay, this house is 750 350 whatever the number is, and they put it up for sale. They advertise social media. They they use even – well, even Zillow, for an example. If you're a premier agent, you can actually put your listings on there without having the MLS information in there, and that does go away. So there's there's a lot of ways that you can avoid hurting yourself by giving that permanent scar, as I say. Um, but on the other hand, it's also one of the best exposure tools in the world. The MLS is one of the best ways to get out to everybody immediately. So when you do actually, I think if I was listening to what you were saying there, Chris, which would be weird, but when you go on, (laughs) when you go on the MLS, there's a permanent record there. So you better behave, you better price, right? You better look good and plan on getting sold right away. Cause staying on the market does not help you in any way, shape or form. Here's the other thing I think with pricing, um, is that sometimes it's not a bad thing to go overpriced and do it. I mean, we've done it, but it's, it's a marketing strategy, but it needs to make sense. And if you have something that's going to ruin that um, that story, per se, that's in that house, you know, that something's wrong with it or it, it backs up to a freeway or, you know, something that you just, I mean, someone's going to say later on, oh, my, it backs up to a freeway. That's why, it, you know, it was overpriced. But if you could, if you can do that, sometimes it's like once you get to that real price, or maybe a little more than that, people think it's a great deal because it came down that much. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, uh, it's it's worked to be able to go higher, but it's rare. It's rare and far, you know, but it's Well, make it's the real happened. estate agent earn their commission. I mean, make them do that market analysis. Make them show you. Like, I always look at, like, houses that need repairs, right? And we'll list them as a, hey, flip this house or do whatever. And there's people that will come in, even at a discounted price, and they'll say, well, we better come in lower than that. Well, look at what the retail value is as a fixed home. Maybe you're $100,000 higher, there's 50000 in repairs, and they've left $50,000 on the table for you as a buyer, but people are scared of the projects. And that's that's the one thing that I can say is in our instant society right now, there's a lot of people that don't want to take on the projects. There's lots of flippers and lots of you know contractors that want to buy houses and flip them, but then they want to be able to make money that that is worth their risk. And, and a lot of times sell at a wholesale price, you know, that would let them go at that. And I, totally. anyway. And that's the whole theory of, uh, you know, I, I don't want to do that, you know, because I don't want to pick out the wrong color mm-hmm. or the, the wrong design for the potential buyer. You know, and they're like, I, I've talked about this many times. There's a multi-billion dollar industry called HGTV and do-it-yourself network and all that because people can't imagine what it's going to look like. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can't do it. So you have to help them. And if, you, if you're doing that, you're waiting for a very few select people mm-hmm. to be able to go in and, uh, and um, I don't know, is, come in and buy that house. Well, and we, we've talked about this with, with um, construction, not to keep bringing everything back to new construction, but talking about staging. And you, you take that house that's maybe not the prettiest or the cutest house in the world, and with the appropriate amount of staging, those builders' models all of a sudden are like, wow, this is impressive. And and it's because they have ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars worth of staging in a house that you know probably will never see that that kind of staging in you know with the yeah, real buyer. But, but you know, I've been on the other end of it too, where this these people's furniture was so nice that people couldn't look past it. They're saying, "Well, gosh, I got to pay a million and a half for the house, and I got to pay two fifty more for the furniture, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to get it." And so sometimes, I mean, it had this one house. That's what we did. We ended up because there were so many cool built-ins. But you couldn't tell the built-ins from the, what the furniture was. Oh. You know, it's one of those, a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Took out all the furniture and it sold, you know, which is kind of like the opposite of what it is. But yeah. then people were able to see the the house for what the house had in it, which was a lot of stuff, sure. you know, already. So. When you can really appreciate the size of those rooms. And it's like having a garage. And, and some people say, well, they can see how much stuff it'll store. Hey, I think you're better off getting the garage emptied out so they can imagine what they think they totally, you know, yeah. You know, versus full of boxes to the rafters. You yeah, know? we we get asked this a lot. We get a lot of text questions on this. Is that you know if you had if you had to do something, what what is the one thing you do? And I, it's decluttering, is making that place as big as it possibly can be. You know, without looking totally barren like you you set it up that way. I kind of talk mm-hmm. about like in the storage rooms. You know, you still want stuff to be on the shelves. But you don't want it hanging over and falling out on the other side, and it's it's hitting you in the head when you walk by. You right. know which most of our storage rooms are. We just right. get it and we shut that closet. You know, but uh, but doing it right, like oh my gosh, look at all this storage that I have. Yeah, so, that's true. So there's that uh, little staging, got a little staging in me there. So yeah, so Travis Whitford, I know we're going to hit on some uh, mortgage miss in the next uh, in the next segment, and uh, you know there is a. There's a ton of different things that uh, uh, people, you know, think about when it uh, comes to uh, buying or buying a home, you know, from the mortgage part of it. Um, what are we going to kind of touch on? Oh, we're going to talk about all sorts of myths. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, what's the best rate, the best way to go. We're going to talk about some private mortgage insurance. We're going to talk about qualifying. So we got some uh, good information out there. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you know, getting, I think that what we're talking about all this stuff, it always comes back to this, though, is that it's preparation and, and being prepared and doing it. And it's just like getting your house ready. So, mm-hmm. anyways, so, okay, well, well, let's take a break and we'll come back with Travis Whitford with Bay Equity Home Loans. Sounds very good. We'll do that. We'll be back with the real estate show right after this break here on 830 WCCO. 57 degrees in the Twin Cities. Let's get back to more real estate. And here again, Chris and Andy. Okay, thanks, Danny. We're back with Travis Whitford with Bay Equity. Bay Equity Home Mortgage? Ben, Bay Equity Home Loans. Home Loans. There we go. LLC. Bay Equity Home Loans. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, you guys have a, a number of offices in, around the metro area as well. Yeah, we got quite a few. We have, uh, I manage our Oakdale location, and then we have Maple Grove, Apple Valley, Rogers, Lakeville, Rochester, Hudson, 
um, satellite office in Duluth and a satellite office in Bloomington. So yeah. we're oh, pretty well cool. represented throughout the Fantastic. Twin Cities. And I know you guys do loans around the United States as well, not just in Minnesota. Correct. Um, most of us are licensed in just Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, however, there's a few of our loan officers are also licensed in Florida, Colorado, North Dakota, South Dakota. So, I mean, we have a, you know, we can handle a, a lot of states and a lot of territories. Yeah, no, fantastic. You know, we kind of mentioned that we we're going to talk about some myths that we uh, learn in the mortgage industry and that we hear. I mean, and we get these questions. Uh, just get, One is, number one, that you qualify based on your income. That's how you qualify. Partly true. Partly. So There's other um, factors. Yes, uh, and, and the, the other factors is your other debt. You know, it's how much other debt do you have? Because there's, in the mortgage world, there's what's called front-end debt ratios and back-end debt ratios, and you have to be within certain uh, uh, percentages of those. Your front-end debt ratio is your income compared to your mortgage payment. Um, your back-end ratio is your income compared to uh, your mortgage payment plus all your other debt on your credit report. And and if that back-end debt ratio, you could have two people making the same amount of money, one person has a lot more other debt, that person's not going to qualify for as much as a house as, uh, as the person with less debt. And there's some... A strategy to that too when you're kind of trying to put together a, a package for let's just say a, a married couple that has maybe some older kids that if someone's debt is on them you might leave them out of the equation just to make things work correct yeah like for example you know if if, if one of the parties you know is maybe working like part-time you know is not making a tremendous amount of income but you know they have a car loan that's tied to them that's pretty healthy and, you know, student loans that are pretty healthy and that debt kind of outweighs the income. Maybe you don't have that, that person on the loan. You just have the other person to eliminate that, that, that other debt service so they can qualify for more. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I was early on in the business. I had a, a client, uh, well, it was a, a potential client that was going to happen um, and made a ton of money. I mean, kind of in that 30, 35,000 a month kind of money. And uh, couldn't get them qualified because of all the debts. All the debt, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, you just have to, uh, you know, sometimes pre-planning is really good, too. You know, if you, if, you, if you apply for that mortgage maybe, you know, six months ahead of time and, and figure out a plan of attack to, you know, maybe eliminate some of this debt or move some of the debt someplace else. So it's, it's, it's not there to, to help qualify. But, yeah, it's... That's 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 kind of a little kick in the you know what when uh, you're making that type of money and you can't qualify for a house because of all the other debt. Yep, totally. Okay, how about the lowest interest rate is always the best way to go? Um, I say that is definitely a myth. Um, you got to look at you got to be mindful of the costs that are affiliated with that. Um, for example, here I did a uh, a little um, breakdown of somebody looking at you know doing. 3.75 versus three and a half. By the or, way, for the listening yeah. crowd, it was the last page. Yeah, it was okay. like, where is the page? I even lost it. Uh, here it is. This is so. one guy that actually brings notes. It's kind of <laughs> nice. So, so we have, here's an analysis between, you know, doing 3.75 with no points and three and a half with points. You know, people hear that. Okay, three. points. Points is prepaying interest you're buying down the interest rate you're paying a cost to get a lower rate so you're essentially okay. prepaying your interest in the form of a fee yep so and i, I did this analysis to, and, and this is a, a simple analysis where it's not really taken into consideration people's uh, 
investment strategies and stuff. It's just it's just taxable benefits of mortgage interest, payment savings, stuff like that. So um, and we're talking about a two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan. So you pay one point, you're paying an extra two hundred or two thousand five hundred dollars. So the break even point before you kind of make up paying that extra twenty five hundred dollars is about forty nine months, and your aggregate savings over thirty years is less than eight thousand dollars. Now, if you talk to any financial advisor, they're going to tell you that you know your money is going to double every seven years, so to say. So let's say you save that $2,500, you put it into an investment. So now after seven years, 25 becomes five. After 14 years, five becomes 10. So in, in, in 14 years, you've just made more money by investing that by then paying down that paying down to get that sure. better interest rate that you would have saved over a 30-year period. Unless so, you bought all those rental properties I did in 2003 and then it stuck with them until 2017 and rolling. Oh. <laughs> My money doubled the other way. <laughs> right. It <laughs> kind of went, yeah, reduction. But no, that is interesting because I, I, I think that is it's a preparation. It's looking what you're looking to do. I mean, a lot of first-time home buyers that are in homes – for 49 months is pretty un- unusual. I mean, that's yeah. within four years. I mean, yeah, the average length of time that somebody has a mortgage for is about seven years. So you're going to either refinance uh, to take advantage of a dis- different rate or to accomplish, uh, you know, some sort of financial goal. Um, the average length of time that a first-time homebuyer has a mortgage for, I think, is just under five years now. So, and that's because you're buying, uh, you're, you, you know, you're, stepping out and moving on up and getting your next house and, and stuff. So, you know, people get blinded by that lower rate and Hey, lower rates. Great. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you got to look at the big picture and more times than not, it doesn't pay off to, to pay those costs to get that lower rate. Exactly. Any, we're going to actually let Andy talk too now. Um, every once in a while, Andy, you can make a, you can make a comment here, but we're, again, we're to the listing audiences. We're going over mortgage myths. Um, how about this one? Once you have 20% equity, mortgage insurance goes bye-bye. Kind of. So um, it, it depends on what type of loan that you have. Let's just let's just assume we're talking about a conventional mortgage here. Um, the rules with mortgage insurance is once you get to 80%, that's when you can petition to get it removed. It automatically goes away once you hit 78% loan to value. So, you know... But- if you have an FHA loan, then and you put less than ten percent down, the current rules is that monthly mortgage insurance is permanent. If you put ten percent down, that mortgage insurance goes away. I think it's at eleven years, and you cannot remove that early. It's like you have to refinance out of it. That mortgage insurance is there for the that full eleven years. And that's what you find a lot when people are refinancing because <laughs> the value went up, and they're basically getting rid of that mortgage insurance. Yeah, and probably hopefully at lower rate. Correct. Yeah. And so a lot of times, too, you can even, you know, take a higher interest rate from what you currently have to get rid of that mortgage insurance and still save a ton of ton of money. I'm wondering why it's so peaceful mm. in here. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. Good. All right. How about this one? Uh, Andy, you might know that if I miss a payment, my house goes back to the bank. Of course. Yeah. No, I, I you know, it, that's a myth. I think that we all have is that the Remember that, that, you know, you're giving the bank uh, a mortgage, right? You're giving them leverage on you. 
uh, they're giving you a loan. Um, you as a as someone that has their you know basically their money, they they want to work with you. Uh, most banks are reasonable. Most banks understand life happens or circumstances crisscross, and all of a sudden you had the perfect storm where you had to miss a payment. I always say be active and and be um, open to the bank. Call the bank. Let them know what's going on. Let them know right. why it happened, what happened, and I think that that would favor you tremendously versus just skipping it and acting like nothing happened. Well, I think in reality too. I mean, you un, until you miss two, three, four payments, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, they're not really gonna really come. Uh, hard after you, well, but they're, we can't, they're going to call. Can't say that. We legally probably shouldn't be saying that, but I mean, the reality There's is we've, ob- we've observed that happening, Chris. We've observed <laughs> We have, that. yes. I've seen this happen many times. I've had it where yeah. people have missed payments for five years and still have not gotten out of their house. I've so. had customers receive reprieves where it says, basically, let's try again next year. I know you're not making your payment. Why don't we see how the market looks and see if you still have a job, and yeah. then let's try again in a year. You know, another thing I hear too, Travis, is people say that, hey, the bank owns the house. The bank doesn't own the house when you buy it. They have a lien against the house, but you're in ownership. Yeah, you give them you know, So if you have a loan on it, the bank doesn't own it. You own it, and then mm-hmm. that's a lien on the property. Correct. But I, I've had people think that too. So hmm. I guess we got to go to a break, huh? Yes, we do. All right, and we'll be back with more of the Real Estate Show here on A3OWCC. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on A3OWCCO. And once again, here's Chris and Andy. All right. Well, we've been talking about mortgage miss and uh, pricing and all that kind of stuff. And Andy, I know there's another uh, piece that uh, I I think is kind of interesting because I've heard this before. Mm -hmm. And it just, it kills the whole negotiations. And it's kind of like... um, when, when they list it, and then they'll call you'll call them up and say, that's the lowest the seller's ever going to go on that. And it's just like, you don't have to say that. You might be getting that, and you can say that later, but mm-hmm. what it does is it just stops them from making an offer. Yeah, you know, there's um, not all negotiators are created equal, that's for sure. And I think that, you know, giving people a sense of value is all they're looking for. I mean, I don't care if, you know, when you win-win, I've had sellers that have done this where they've said, we're not doing anything, this is the price, we're not accepting anything less than that. And that's how I ask them, say, is that how you want me to present this to the marketplace? Because you're creating a very rigid, you know, non-flexible selling environment, which that buyer may say, you know what, let's buy somebody else's house. I don't want to deal with somebody like this. And now all of a sudden, now your personality is getting in the way of them buying your house. Totally. And it's like, get your ego out of the way. We always say this in our business, get out of your own way, because sometimes you're your biggest enemy because you're, you and your, this is what it's worth. And I'm selling for this and not a penny less. And it's like, well, then don't sell your house. And, And I think that what happens is give and take in real estate. You have to have that buyer feeling good about it. I don't care if you give them a free home inspection or if you cover a warranty for a year or you have something that they can feel warm and fuzzy about. They feel good about you as a seller because everybody wants some kind of a deal. I mean, would you not agree? Yeah, I mean, I think they want value, you know. And if I fair, think if you, yeah, yep. and, I, and I think if you can create that value and show them that value, I think you can get it. But uh, yeah, it's I, it's really interesting when when people do that because mm-hmm. it's just it just sets the tone com- completely off, <laughs> right. and you just you just turn them off. Well, or you just say, hey, that offer's too low. Let's not even counter that offer. For an example, this is another thing that a lot of sellers will do, and it's. That's the biggest mistake out there because, you know, to me, a counter is a compliment. It's saying, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now we kind of know the range of where these guys will accept. So if you, you're listed for 450000 and the offer comes in at, you know, four hundred, and you're like, well, that's too low, forget it. Counter back at four forty five and see what happens. I've had deals where they come together where we're within $5,000 at the end of the day 
But the seller or the buyer comes in and just says, hey, let's just throw it in there and see what they do. They don't understand that they're completely insulting you. You're insulting your agent, all the research, all the staging, they, you know, and that the fact that they're completely dismissing what's reality, but they throw it out there. And, and, and sometimes you just have to say, you know what, throw the counter. And that's where a lot of my sellers have been surprised. They've gotten the deals done just by countering. Well, here's the thing. And contrary to popular belief that people just mm-hmm. throw out offers for the fun of it, they don't do that. They've, they've moved. They've actually moved in, per se. And they know Susie's going in that room. Johnny's going in there. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to those schools. They're going to play basketball outside. I'll be able to park my car on that side. They've talked about all that stuff mm-hmm. prior to making an offer rather than just saying, yeah, let's try, let's try that one over on uh, Smith Street you know, and, and write an offer. They don't do that. So, mm-hmm. But if, when they've decided to make an offer, they certainly are going to try to maybe get a deal. Mm-hmm. And so what they'll do is then write that offer. But sometimes you've got to look now psychology of the seller. You got to go back to them and say, you know what? It's only been on a week. Mm-hmm. You know, we probably can't go a hundred thousand under right now. Mm-hmm. You know, let's try to get it closer to be able to make them engage because that seller's going to say in a week, forget that. Not a chance. I'll never, we'll never counter those guys, and I hate them. Right. You know what? No, yeah. You got to. You have to look past that. But I think that's our job as agents too to be able to kind of, you know, help that well, let, process. Let me ask out. you this: So you get a low offer on one of your listings. What do you do? How do you deal with that agent and their client? Thanks for the offer. You dropped the bucket on the head. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I, th- I think it's great. I, I, we got an offer. Now let's try to work with it. You know, I mean, but there's sometimes, hey, it's it's not going to work, and maybe mm-hmm. that's the way that you do go back. Hey, there's no there's no chance of that. But times. hey, you still wrote an offer. We appreciate it. Yeah, and we present all offers. I, I've even done it where I've said, hey, can you help me a little bit here so that I don't get thrown out on my ear? Show me how you guys came up with these numbers. You know, what where justify to me where the comparables are that even get us in the range of this value. And then I'll present it. And if they just say, you know what, hey, it's what we offered, what we offered, just to offer it. I say, great. I'll take it as seriously as you guys did, and we'll uh, we'll get you back a counter. Yeah, right? I mean, right. if you're not going to care, we're not going to care, but we're going to get presented. But it's going to be it's a clown show. Let's be a clown show. And yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is that our industry, when when I see investors come in, God bless them, they they, they are the bottom of the bottom, you know. And they'll say, here's what we're willing to offer. This is what we're willing to do. And there's this this great stance on this is it. That's fine. Let them sit there. At least you know where the bottom of the market is. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is that use it as a gauge of what you don't want and then get out there and start marketing. I, boy, I agree. I know, it sounded a little aggressive. I should calm down. <laughs> Less coffee I, in the I morning. Agree. You know what I mean? You know, it is the end of the last weekend of the Parade of Homes. And uh, yeah. you, you kind of mentioned that. Uh, how has traffic been the whole time? You know, it depends on the community, but um, in our higher end, which, which I would consider the, you know, the 600,000 plus houses. Um, it's always good because it's it's a source of entertainment for a lot of people because it's a free show and you see lots of girls that are out with their friends and they're looking at houses and having fun. And then, you know, when when I get the, um, like we talked about last week, we had Pat Flynn in here talking about our detached, you know, single family homes that are the slab on grade rambler. When those people come through the door, they're buying. They're, they're not dreaming. They're shopping. They're looking for their next, you know, downsize. And that that is where we were um we're seeing less traffic in that range, but you're seeing more buyers. I don't know if that sure, makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, you know more, what I mean? More buyers, that, that's specifically what they're looking for. You know, and I do see this. Everybody that I've seen coming in now is upgrading or downsizing, so you're going to see more inventory coming from the parade. So the parade, you know, they move into the new inventory, and then it creates, it loosens up the existing inventory as well. So right. if you're a buyer sitting out there waiting for inventory, it's coming soon. Right, yeah. Travis, I mean, uh, financing construction, I mean, is obviously a big thing, and, 
you know, even uh, we had Pat Flynn with Eternity Homes on a couple weeks. I don't even, was that last week or the week before? Yep. Anyways, yeah. We, uh, but talking about, you know, like materials because of the hurricanes and stuff like mm-hmm. that coming in, and it might take a little longer in which to do that. There's financing opportunities, construction loans to kind of turn into permanent financing. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, one of the products that we offer is um, we have a, a construction financing program that's it's essentially solely based off of what that future value um, or the as completed value is. You know, we'll end up to, uh, you know, 80 percent of uh, of that future value or as completed value. And and if borrowers have, uh, you know, sufficient equity in their uh, current property, we'll also do a, um, a cross collateral lien to get another 10 percent if needed. Um, and that that cross collateral lien is just, just basically a lien on the house. I mean, there's no payments that's tied to it or whatever, but it helps bridge that gap to minimize um, your your downstroke into uh, into a new construction home. Yeah, and then your whole new construction into permanent finance, and it's just a it's a it's you're not getting nailed with double fees. Right. Yeah. So we, we have, um, the way we structure ours is there's some charges, um, on the construction loan, but all those charges get credited back, um, on the end loan financing. So it typically that, that, you know, the average loan size that we're looking at these things that, uh, you essentially have no closing costs on your refinance. Andy, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the, what's going to sell the, what's going to end up being the big seller from the parade of homes this year? Um, I'm definitely seeing the four bedroom with laundry room up around a 2,500 square foot house. And it's about a 50, 50 with sport court or not. No joke. How much money inside? We're at the four fifty to $500,000 range. That's the hottest seller we have right now. Okay. by far. Yeah. And we talk, obviously, I mean, how about house alone? On that, because obviously um, lots where you're going yeah. to Twin Cities makes a big L- difference. Lots are averaging anywhere from ninety to about one hundred twenty thousand um, in most suburbs, and then you'll see the exemptions to that or exceptions, like the Plymouth, where we've got some of our lots pushing two thirty-five. We've got uh, you know Edina, Europe in the three hundred range. So I mean, you've you've Minnetonka, same thing. We just got some lots for two twenty-five a piece in Minnetonka, which is a beautiful new development. Um, so there's lots of opportunities there, but you everything jumps up another hundred grand when you jump in the more desired communities. Right. I think I I kind of really going to implore people to try, check out some of those over $700,000 listings that 700 into one and a half million, you'll be stunned on, mm-hmm. on what you get for uh, value on those. And uh, it's just a great opportunity to be able to, you know, get the highest for yours mm-hmm. and be able to get something at a really good bargain. Well, right what's now. crazy, Trav, we've got the um, uh, jumbo loans right now, I think are at a more attractive rate than the conforming loans. Yeah, yeah, this day and age, it's uh, more times than not. I mean, there's down payment requirements, credit score requirements, but perfect world scenario, you're typically getting a, uh, a jumbo loan at a, at a slightly better rate than a conventional loan. It's crazy. Yeah, and that's, what is the, do you, off the top of your head, have that loan amount for listeners? Oh, 424100 That's borrowed. So, that, you know. That is. If you happen yeah, to know the number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 400 <laughs> So, yeah. so, so yeah. any loan amounts bigger than four twenty four one hundred is considered a jumbo loan. So you're a five twenty five or higher for purchase price is basically get you in that jumbo pretty quick. Yeah, well, um, well, you got your down payment, you That's know. What I mean. So, so I mean, if you have a five twenty five purchase price, you know, and you want a jumbo loan, you're probably putting twenty percent down. So which is about hundred grand. So yeah, so then you're close. now you're now you're probably a conventional loan. So yeah. Andy, right now we're doing a lot of getting out this fall. Yeah. To be able to kind of prepare people for next spring and when they're selling, yes. doing a lot of that right now. So I mean, if there's people out there 
that are thinking about doing it for next spring. It's a really good idea to kind of talk now. Because yep. I'll tell you what, I've ordered um, four sets of photos for homes already on the exterior. Yeah. Just so we have it. And just in case something happens in the winter, it's like, you know what? Hey, I'm really looking for that four-bedroom, four-bath, walkout, two-story yep. that's on a pond with a yep. three-car garage. And, oh, you're kidding. Well, here we well, go. Well, the, the other one I run into a lot is where you've got the houses, little older houses. It'll have the wood, you know, uh, soffits and trim, and they're just a little decrepit. Maybe you need to replace a couple pieces. You need to do a little painting. Get that touch-up painting done now. Totally. Get those pieces replaced now. So if you do decide to list in February, you don't have to deal with that on a, you know, on a Because that's loan. so unpredictable. Our weather situation here is mm-hmm. so unpredictable. Mr. Travis, how do they get a hold of you? TravisMNLoans.com. Mm. I like that. And Mr. Prasky is Prasky.com. Yeah, I keep it With simple. a Y. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because uh, How about care. a phone number, though? What a phone number? <laughs> 763-433-0850. And if you call Chris or I, we actually are the guys that do the market analysis in person. It's us. And, well, maybe not yep. you, but it does for me. Yep. But. And ChrisRooney.com for me. All right. Very good, guys. We'll be back again next week with more Real Estate Show here on A3OWCC.